podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. <laughs> COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Bournemouth versus Liverpool game. 3pm kickoff Saturday, away fixture for Liverpool this week. Unfortunately, uh, Paul Spears, our usual Bournemouth guest, is uh, unavailable tonight, but he's, uh, he sent his prediction in for us to read out later, and um, that's what we'll do. Once again with me, tonight we have Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show, regular with us on the cop table as well. So, welcome back on, Jay. How are you feeling after the, the midweek victory? Yeah, yeah. You know, spirits are good. You know, it was a fantastic win against um, a very poor Everton side. And Marco Silva's been sacked now, hasn't he, as well, on after, at the end of that performance. So, you know, it's always nice to win a derby game. But to put five past them was, was also very sweet especially because it was a makeshift Liverpool team as well, shall we say? Yeah, and that's where we're, we're going to start off with uh, with that game. We've done the preview in the week, didn't we? So we're going to do the, um, the the review of that game now. Uh, I thought to myself it, after the game, Sadio Mane, he was, he, he was world-class in that game for me. Was his assists, persistency throughout the game, up and down that wing, providing... Um, lots of ammunition for the for the other players, Origi um, as well. But there was many other good performances. Genie Wijnaldum, I thought, had a, had a great game. But just give us your thoughts on the on the performance in the Merseyside derby, please, Jay. Well, I mean, going into the game, all all the vibes were that you know Klopp was going to play a, a slightly weakened team a few hours before kickoff. News filtered through, and it was sort of like a little bit of disbelief, really, because. You know, the likes of Milner in midfield and Adam Lallana giving Shakiri a, a chance who he hadn't started the game all season, had he, because he's been injured. Divock Origi's been sort of like in and out the side, but very rarely started games. And Liverpool, when you, when you consider Liverpool were missing Fabinho already through injury and Alisson through suspension after the sending off against Brighton, you just thought to yourself, what is going on? It's a bit of a strange team selection by Klopp, but you know, who, who are we to second judge him and who are we to criticise? Because the man is a genius, isn't he? And if you look at the front three that he selected to play in the derby against Everton, um, Mane, Origi and Shaqiri, that was the, the the exact front three that played against Barcelona in the semi-final of the Champions League when Firmino and Salah were both injured for that game. And look what happened there last season. We won the game 4-0. So, I mean, maybe there was an element of... Well, he does obviously trust the squad. It's not just about having a strong eleven. Liverpool have certainly got a pool of 16, 20 players that Jurgen Klopp trusts, and he knows he can do a job any given time when he if selected. And so it proved against Everton. I mean, you know, when when the team news did come out and it was official, there was a lot of raised eyebrows, shall we say, and me included. Even though the source that that gave us that team was was spot on once again, but. 
it was it was just a bit of a shock to the system because yeah okay we understand we've got a, a lot of games approaching the Christmas period in December time. I think we spoke didn't we before the the podcast against Brighton, which was that game was the thirtieth of November, and at that stage it was going to be ten games in thirty days, which on average was a game every three days, and you know something has to give. You know you have to sort of rotate the squad, and that's what your your group of players, your squad's all about, isn't it? And you know you're looking at the fixture list, and you're trying to see where he might play. You know, a bit of a bit of a weakened team and make a few changes. And you didn't really think it would have been the Derby game, did you? You thought if anything, it'd be Brighton at home or maybe Bournemouth away, the game that's coming up on Saturday. But no, Jurgen Klopp does it in the Merseyside Derby. But someone else said to me actually uh, yesterday about this. When you think about it, us as fans, we class the Merseyside Derby as a massive game. It's it's you know it's a big game of football, pure and simply because. It's it's the rivalry. It's it's a derby game. You know the other team in the city. But I think Jurgen Klopp looks at it completely differently. I mean, he, he to him the big games are Manchester City. I still think Manchester United is a big game in his eyes as well because he's never won at Old Trafford, has he? With, with this Liverpool group of players, and since he's been the manager, um, obviously Chelsea's still classified as a big game. But I think under Jurgen Klopp, he's never really ever respected the, the fact that it's a big game against Everton. I mean, as I say, someone touched on it yesterday to me and said, he's even started Dominic Solanke in two derby games, one of them at Anfield and one of them at Goodison. And, you know, albeit we didn't win either of the games, but it just goes to show that he doesn't really think, he doesn't classify it as a big game. And his team selection, once again, you know, it's confirmed that to me because... If you analyse Liverpool, if if you were to pick your strongest eleven, we were missing six players from that strongest eleven that started against Everton there, and we just we to put five goals past them was, was fantastic really, and we started so quickly. I mean, Sadio Mane was absolutely sensational. I mean, the the two assists he got for the first two goals, absolutely inch perfect. He was unplayable in the first half. He really wasn't. Capped it off with a fantastic finish as well into the corner with his left foot. Um, it, it was just yeah. brilliant, really brilliant to see. It was great for Shakiri to get on the score sheet as well because you know he's been blighted with injury this season. But what a fantastic goal that was! But I have to say, Divock Origi's touch and finish to make it three-one was absolutely out of this world. I mean, if if someone like Dennis Bergkamp done that or Thierry Henry. They'd be raving about it for years to come, and and the same should apply here. You should see this on the you know the football, the Premier League years on Sky Sports in ten, fifteen, twenty years' time because it was absolutely sublime. Dejan Lovren of all of all people, a, 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 like a long punt downfield, but you could see he meant it, and and Origi's touch to bring it down, the control and to the finish, it was it was. Honestly, it was sensational. And, you know, to go 3-1 up, fantastic in the first, that, what, half an hour in a Merseyside derby. Um, and then to score just before half-time to make it 4-1. I mean, Everton just couldn't live at Liverpool. Not just the the long ball element to it, the, the counter-attack and everything about it. Since Alexander-Arnold was superb as well, with his distribution as ever. Um, the only downside was, obviously, we conceded a couple of sloppy goals, didn't we? And, the, the annoyance was that Everton made it 4-2. Liverpool scored basically right on half-time and then Everton went down the other end and made it 4-2 and 
made it look a little bit, you know, they, they still had a glimmer of hope, really, for the second half. And Evan actually looked quite dangerous, to be honest, on the night, in terms of, in, in, in an attacking sense. But absolute shambles defensively and quite clearly not really doing it for the manager. He was dead man walking. He shouldn't really have had a job, should he? should have been gone before the Leicester game. He persevered with him because it was, uh, they put up a decent fight against Leicester, but unfortunately not to get a point. But, you know, they just got absolutely smashed off the park at Anfield. And the only frustrating aspect was it took until the last minute, really, before we made it five when Alden, fantastic finish as well after great work by, uh, Firmino who came off the bench but you know Sadio Mane had a couple of fantastic opportunities really didn't he to make it five long before that and really on another on another night Liverpool could have put seven or eight past Everton and they couldn't really have complained could they um, very amateurish by Everton really but it's always nice to win a derby game and to give them a hiding as well we've been saying someone's due to get one and you know lo and behold it was Everton and it was just fantastic really to you know, to to maintain that eight point lead at the top of the Premier League, and we all know deep down it's probably going to be Man City still the main threat. Though, so we're eleven points clear of Man City still as well. So, you know, a fantastic midweek from Liverpool in the Premier League, and all systems go now going into this game against Bournemouth because we've rested quite a few players, haven't we? As well, I mean. Henderson came on for 20 minutes, Firmino came on for about 15 minutes, Salah never played any part in the game and obviously Alisson will return between the sticks, just a little bit unfortunate that Fabinho is out injured but you know, Liverpool have rested key players really there with this Bournemouth game in mind so no excuses now going forward for this game against Bournemouth on Saturday. Yeah and one thing you did mention there Jay was the, was the changes to the lineup. Jordan uh, Jürgen Klopp's press conference today, one of the reporters said to him, um, in December last year you made 30 changes to your squad throughout, um, 30 changes to the starting 11, should I say, during December, and do you expect anything um, similar to them numbers coming for this uh, for this season? And he sort of battered the, the question away and was, wasn't too forthcoming and just said he doesn't really care for numbers. But do you see... Um, a similar amount of changes being made. Obviously, we've got a lot of games coming up. Uh, Thirty changes to a start eleven throughout one month is a lot. So, with the the amount of games we have, do you see a lot of changes happening now? Well, of course you've got to you've got to, haven't you? Really, I mean, the players are only human, and we did speak about this on the podcast, didn't we? Preview in the Everton game about Jordan Henderson. You know, would he really start the game? And I had my doubts. I said I didn't think he would do because it'd mean four, four games in 11 days. And Jordan Henderson doesn't play that amount of games because he sort of like manages fitness, don't he? Because of issues, ongoing issues that he's had throughout his career, really. Um, the same with Oxley Chamberlain, another one, you know, where I said, you know, after the injury issues that he's had in his Liverpool career so far, would he really play two games in four days? And, you know, we got our answer because he's another one I didn't even mention him when I said before of the key players that were rested and didn't play. Oxley Chamberlain, you probably would say, is not a key player, but he's still an important player, isn't he? And he, he didn't play a part against Everton, so he's another player that's being rested up. So that's great as well, do you know what I mean, moving forward. But of course, you know, Liverpool are going to rotate players in certain games, and you know, there will be a few that are probably permanent fixtures, the likes of Virgil van Dijk, would have been Allison, but for the fact he was suspended and. You know, there is a few. I mean, Fabinho is another one that probably would have been a permanent fixture, but for the fact that he is now injured, isn't he, for this period in time? But, 
you know, it's one of them situations, you, you know, Jürgen Klopp, no matter what, was raised eyebrows with the team selection before the derby, but the man's an absolute genius and who's, who are any of us to criticise what his judgment is? He's the one that sees them in training every single day and, you know, who's 100% fit, who's 90% fit, who's 70% fit, whatever you want to name it, but, you know, he's the man that picks the team and he's a genius, isn't he? He's got the maddest touch and, you know, things are going like the working great for us at the moment and, Going forward now into the Bournemouth game, of course, I expect quite a few of them players that didn't start the game in the derby to be fresh as daisies now coming into this game against Bournemouth. So, and I'm sure moving forward there'll be other games where he's looking, thinking maybe I can rest a few here for this game. And we've got Watford coming up at home after that in the league, haven't we? In between that, there's a there's a tough Champions League game in Salzburg, which we need a point to secure our passage through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. And a win would guarantee top spot. So, you know, there'll be changes for that game as well. So, of course, he will make changes. And we've got the World Club Cup coming up as well, which, you know, we're going to touch on in a bit, aren't we? But again, it's, it's, yeah. a, you know, it's, he's going to make changes for that. I think the semi final game is likely to be against, uh, I think it's a Qatar team, um, or maybe a Mexican team. So, you know, maybe you could make a few changes for that game. It doesn't have to go full strength, really. I mean, in the final, if we do manage to get there, it's probably going to be against the Brazilians, Flamengo, and we've got a score to settle with them, haven't we? Because they did beat us in 1981, they beat us 3-0. So I think, you know, it's likely to be the final if we do make it. So, yeah, you know, you've got to include that. So there'll be plenty of rotation, and that's what the squad's all about. And as I just said before, we've probably got 20 players to choose from that are more than capable of coming in and doing a job for us. Because another player who I didn't really speak about before, this season when he's being called upon, he's done really well for us as Adam Lalana. I mean, he was fantastic against Aston Villa earlier on in the season. And, you know, I thought he'd done really well in the Derby game as well. And he gets a little bit of unfair criticism by certain fans. But when called upon, he's doing a job and he's all part of the squad and it's all looking good. Spot on, cheers. Yeah. And yet, like you said, we're going to touch a little bit on the, the World um, Club Cup and uh, the squad that, that Jürgen's chose. Also, with the the Villa game in mind, we we can just talk a little bit about that as well. And just for the people who are listening, we are going to be doing a um, World Club Championship preview with uh, Paul Joyce from the Times. He's got to be joining myself and Jay to preview the the, the tournament out there in Qatar. So, yeah, the the squad, Jay, it's been including the likes of uh, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, uh, Nico Williams. And uh, Ryan Brewster. So obviously he's taking this uh, pretty serious, isn't he? And he's gonna seems that he's casting the the league cup to one side. So just give us your thoughts on the the squad there and and what you're expecting now from the the Aston Villa game. Well, yeah, regarding the World Club Cup, um, I believe the owners really want to win it because it's the prestige of it all being world champions. Not only would we be European champions, we be world champions then and it's a trophy that's recognised and it'd go on the honours board and it's something that we've never won in our history we've, we've tried it three times and we've lost three times one was to Flamengo as I've just spoken about there we also lost to an Argentina team called Independiente 1-0 and we lost to uh, Sao Paulo as well more recently after winning the European Cup in 2005 we lost the final to them of this this tournament uh, 1-0 so you know again it. Brazilian, two Brazilian teams, one Argentina team and 
now we're probably going to have to face a, a Brazilian team in the final this time around and it's something that we really want to win. So he selected the strongest possible squad and he's even introduced a few of the under-23 players as well. So that's testament to how serious we will be taking this this competition and this tournament and we really want to win it and I think we will win it. Um, but then the knock-on effect of that is it severely weakens the team that's going to play in the Caribou Cup, you'd imagine, in the quarter-final against Aston Villa. So... You know, Liverpool had the option to move it to another date on the calendar and we didn't really want to do it. So we've agreed to play it, you know, 24 hours before the semi-final of the World Club Cup and certainly not ideal. It's certainly not ideal for the purists who'll say we should try and win every competition that we enter, but our hands are tied a little bit and we have to make a decision on what's more important to the club. And it's quite clear that it's the World Club Cup because the opportunity to play in that competition doesn't come around. That often really does it, and as I say, it's the fourth time I've been in it, so you really want to win it. Whereas the Caribou Cup's there every single season, and you know the financial aspect of it all, you you wouldn't earn as much money winning the Caribou Cup either. So it is certainly now an opportunity to to play some of the really young boys in it, and you know I think we all expected it to be a makeshift Liverpool team anyway, and Aston Villa massive favourites for the game anyway, but they'll be huge favourites now because. It's going to basically be a lot of our under-18 players in that game. So it's not great for the fans who are obviously going to buy tickets and go to Villa Park. It's an interesting one because it's good to see the kids out and cope against the Premier League team because, you know, obviously if you were Aston Villa, they're going to know, they're going to be fully aware Liverpool are going to play a weakened team, a team full of kids. So it's a great opportunity for them to, you know, they've been starved of proper success, haven't they, really, for a while, Aston Villa. And it's a great opportunity for them, isn't it, to get to a semi two-legged semi-final of a competition, you know, to try and win the League Cup. And you know, they've got a home tie against Liverpool's basically under-18s. And, you know, they probably won't go full strength. There's no reason to, is they? Because they probably have a bit of a mixture of you know, first-teamers and a few fringe players and, You'd like to think Liverpool will give a good account of themselves, but they're gonna, it's gonna be a, a, you know, a game too far, really, isn't it? Playing against Villa's team and, you know, it's still gonna be interesting, but Villa are probably gonna win that game because Liverpool's focus mainly is on the World Club Cup, but it's still a game that it's intriguing and, you know, some of them could make a name for themselves, so you just never know, but. Aston Villa will be huge favourites for that game now because Liverpool's eggs are all in the World Club Cup basket. Yeah, most definitely. So uh, that one will be something that we can keep a close eye on going over the next few weeks. Right then, Jay, just looking forward to the Bournemouth game. Give us your your thoughts on uh, Bournemouth's position in the league. Uh, I think they're about 15th in the league and, and their form coming into this game. Obviously, they're, they're struggling lately, aren't they? And um, kind of been missing one or two players against uh, against us this weekend. So just give us your thoughts on uh, Bournemouth, please, Jay. Yeah, Bournemouth started the season off really well, I thought. Um, they, they were right up there. I think at one stage they might have actually been in fourth place. But then they've, they've tailed off massively. I think they've only won one, one in the last ten in the, in the, in the, and one in the last nine, I think it is, in the Premier League. And they've lost the last four on the spin. And as time's gone by, Harry Wilson's become their best player and he's on loan from Liverpool. So we can't feature for them. At the weekend against us, because obviously we're, we're his, his owners, aren't we? So we can't play, and that's going to affect them a little bit as well. Over recent times playing against Bournemouth, I mean, we obviously the one that stands out was 
the, the defeat we had there when we lost 4-3, which was a couple of years ago now, and Liverpool were, were ahead and just capitulated. I think we were 3-1 up and lost the game 4-3. It was a shambles, and that was back in the day when we were really poor defensively. Since then, the last couple of seasons, I think we've beat them 4-0 a couple of times. We've beat them 3-0 a couple of times at Anfield as well. So we tend to do well and score quite a few goals against them, really, don't we? Um, and, and as I say, going into the game, Liverpool are an incredible winning form. I wouldn't say performance-wise we've been great the last four or five Premier League games, but the fact of the matter is we've just been winning and winning and winning, and you know the red machine continues, whereas with Bournemouth, they've lost four on the spin. I think it might have been... I think it's they've lost four and drew two of the last six games, something like that. So they haven't won for a while. I think the last time they won was at the start of November against Manchester United, the home 1-0. So Although Manchester United are not the team they once were, it's still a decent scalp, isn't it, for Bournemouth to win 1-0. So maybe they'd be trying to take positives from that result against them going into this game against Liverpool. But you know, coming up against this Liverpool team to that Manchester United team's a, a different kettle of fish, regardless of them being a big name. Um, so, you, you know, you would like to think that Liverpool would have a bit too much for them in the sense that they're not in good form. They're most informed player actually can't play for them because he's our player so you know you, you'd all it all points to a, a three points for Liverpool when you consider they've also we, we rest the players in midweek against Everton with this game in mind I imagine because you know can't see them the likes of Firmino and, and Salah missing out on Saturday if they've missed out in midweek on Wednesday against Everton but it's being very clever by Klopp and these players should be fresh now going into this game so we're coming up against a, a team that's out of form, but you've still got to respect them because, you know, any away game in the Premier League's never easy and it's sort of like a tight little pitch, tight little ground and, you know, you never know, do you? They've got players that can score goals in the past have been quite free-flowing in terms of scoring goals. They've got Josh King, they've got Callum Wilson as well and by all accounts, they obviously haven't had the best of seasons so far, but they are more than capable, so you know, it's still going to be an interesting game on Saturday. Yeah, and just looking forward to that game. Obviously, we mentioned the changes in the midweek with. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, cierto, mamá? Ya. Yeah. Quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Um, Shakiri, Lalana and um, Arigi of Note all coming in. Um, Great performance in midweek. So, do you expect them to to keep their place, or do you see the likes of Cater, Chamberlain, and, and Salah coming back into the into the starting lineup? Or how do you see Klopp playing this one, Jay? Well, yeah, I think even though Shakiri and Origi in particular were outstanding in midweek for me, I just can't see them keeping the place pure and simply because I, I think with Shakiri hasn't played all season and he's probably about seventy percent fit and. To be fair to him, he, he was brilliant. He's done really well. He looks like he's lean, he's become a little bit leaner. He's obviously been doing he's working with the dietitians at the club, um, and credit to him because 
I don't think he's Klopp's favourite player in the world because I just think he lacks a little bit of team discipline, if you like. Not in terms of discipline of getting booked and nothing like that, just more his, his work ethic and his, his positional sense for the team, you know, the team discipline side of things. Um, but, you know, he's obviously been working on it. And, you know, we seen the other night, in certain games, he's going to be worth his weight in gold. And that's what it's all about, having the squad capable if you want to challenge on a number of fronts in terms of Premier League, Champions League and what have you. So he's a vital member of the squad for me. There's no doubt about that, whether Klopp really fancies him, I'm not sure. But he still comes in and does a job for us when called upon. So that's great. Um, but I... I the fact that he hasn't played much this season, though, would suggest to me I can't see him starting two on the spin in a short space of time. Um, in terms of Origi, I think his performance was that good. He could definitely start. The only thing is, Salah never played any part, so you'd imagine he'll start against Bournemouth. He would probably start for me, you know, wouldn't he, as well, because he only come on for 15 minutes. And we know he's, he's important in the away games for me, you know, in particular, because he is the glue that sticks everything together. I mean, we've spoke about it a few times, haven't we, where this season, I think he scored four goals in 21 games, and for a number nine, that's simply not acceptable. It's not good enough, but we all know what a fantastic footballer he is. He, he's some people's favourite player, but he just doesn't score hardly any goals. The song is ironic. Give the ball to Bobby and he will score. Well, he scored four in 21 games, so that's not quite true, is it? But I think it's... As a footballer's all-round game, he's sensational, and he he's a joy to watch. His tricks, flicks, movements, his work ethic, everything about him is just amazing. Apart from his finishing, but you know, I think with Firmino, he's important in the away games because no matter what, away games are the games where the the, the home team sort of come on to you a little bit more than maybe coming to Anfield and having a go. So he's important because. He can hold the ball, he's strong, you know, brings other people into play. He's an important, he's very, very important player, especially in the away games for me. So I think he'll start the game. The only other side is if Origi is to start as well, well, maybe Mane will, will be on the bench for this game. And people might say, you can't leave Mane out. He's been, Mane out. He's been our best player this season. And I agree, mm-hmm. but he's played a lot of football, hasn't he, Peter? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you know, maybe this is a game where he, he'll be on the bench, he'll come on with 20 minutes to go or something. He might not like that, he might want to play every single game. You know, I said before, oh, there is certain players that play all the time, like Yvan Dykes and Alisson, but for the injury at the start of the season, he'd always play every game, wouldn't he? Alisson, probably Fabinho would fall into that bracket, but he's injured now. Mane's another one who would probably play all the time, week in, week out, if he, if he, if he could. But I just think maybe this is a game where he could potentially be on the bench because Origi probably has been worthy of, of, an, of another start, even though it is only three or four days ago. But his performance was that good that he's hard to leave out the team, isn't he? So it's going to be interesting. And as I say, I say it all yeah. the time, you can't really second-guess Klopp, but it wouldn't surprise me if the front three was Rigi, Salah and Firmino at the weekend at Bournemouth. Um, in midfield, you'd, you'd, you'd probably imagine Jordan Anderson will come back into the midfield Maybe for um, James Milner. Then there's the, the toss-up. Will Oxley chamberlain start? Will Naby Keita start? And possibly, because we do say about Genie Wijnaldum, don't we, that fantastic at Anfield most of the time. Big game player. Scored a goal in the 90th minute in the derby. Superb. Being in great form most of this season for Holland's goal-scoring form as well. But sometimes he has a tendency in away games to go a bit, to go missing a little bit, doesn't he? 
So maybe this is a game where he might sit it out and actually Chamberlain start it, or maybe Naby Keita might start the game. So, you know, you never know. It could be Keita, Oxley Chamberlain, and Jordan Henderson, midfield CO. And then the defence, it's probably going to be the full-backs again, isn't it? Because they're a vital part of the way Liverpool play. And then the other side to it is, will Dejan Lovren start, or Joe Gomez even? Because Joe Gomez is due a start, I think, at centre-back. Dejan Lovren's done really well. But he has made a few mistakes as well, and that's what part and parcel of, you know, that's that's what Dejan Lovren's all about. I mean, he will have some really good games, heroic performances, but then he'll make a mistake in a few games as well because at times he can be a little bit of a liability. And I think he's done really well. We can't complain too much about him, but he's played a lot of football lately, and it's very rare that he plays seven or eight on the spin for Liverpool, and he's played all of these games, so maybe he'll be taken out the firing line a little bit, not because of poor performance or anything like that, just more because he's played a lot of football lately and maybe this is where, you know, if you're going to rotate a little bit, you could see Mane and Lovren being out the side at the weekends and maybe Joe Gomez will play centre-half with Van Dijk in this one and I think Alisson will probably return between the sticks instead of Adrian as well and that's what I think he'll go with. Yeah, it's it's interesting what you say about the the centre back situation. Now that Joel Matip's injured, injured, sorry, and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. Our only other fit centre back really is is Joe Gomez. So, do you see this as an area that Klopp might possibly look to um, improve on in the January transfer window by by bringing someone in just for that little bit of extra cover? Um, obviously, we don't know about Matip's injuries, so. Well, do you think he, he may possibly address that in January, uh, Jay? Probably not, no, to tell you the truth. Um, it is a little bit of a gamble, a bit of a risk, because Fabinho, who can also slot in there and be a fifth-tree centre-half, which obviously is not ideal, because we all know the best defensive midfield player in the world for me and superb in midfield. But we know he can do a job, because he's done it last season against Bayern Munich and Lewandowski in the Champions League, so... You know, we all know he's, he's a brilliant footballer and he would be fifth choice, but he's also out injured. So there is talk, isn't he, that Matip could be out longer than first fears and it's certainly not ideal because there's two options there for centre-half, Bent. You've got Van Dijk, who's played virtually all season. You've got Lovren, who, as I've just said about there, has played a lot of football lately and it's rare he plays more than seven or eight on the spin. He's never done it throughout his career. He's 28, 29 years of age now. In fact, he might even be 30 now, Lovren, is he? 29-30, but anyway, it's, it's, it's unbelievable the fact yeah. that he's rarely ever played more than seven, eight, seven or eight games, I think it is, on the spin for any club he's played for, so that's a factor as well where it's quite clear that he, he struggles with like longevity of, of games consistently over time. Um, so, process of elimination, there's only Joe Gomez left, isn't he? Uh, the five of them. So, that's why I think Gomez may well get a start at the weekends and just to freshen it up a little bit. But, but the games are coming thick and fast, aren't they? So, you know, who knows how long Matip's going to be out for because Fabinho's obviously going to be out until probably the middle of January, which is disappointing, isn't it? Because we're hoping that he can be back for the Tottenham away game, but that even might come too soon for him. So we just have to see how his recovery goes. But in terms of getting the centre-back, it's highly unlikely because you've got to look and, yeah, let's hope nothing happens between now and January. But, the thing is, Fabinho and Matter are probably likely to be back in January time, so I just can't see us dipping into the market for it because there's also options in the under-23s. I mean, 
I think Hoover, even though he's played right back for us, he can also play centre half, can't he? So I think he's probably an option there as well. So I don't know. There's also the Dutch lad, isn't he, Vandenberg, who to me looked a little bit undercooked. He looked a little bit out of his depth in the in the Caribou Cup game against Arsenal. Um, but I think they, they, they think a lot of them, don't they? So I wouldn't give up on the kid. He's only 17, isn't he? But he did look a little bit like undercooked where needs a lot more training under his belt. But if if it come to it and the push come to shove and he, and he we, we were limited with our numbers, then maybe he would have to step up to the plate. So it remains to be seen. But in terms of signing, signing a, a, a defender in, in January, I can't see it myself, to tell you the truth. OK, cheers, Jay. Right then, before we uh, get on to the music that's been sent to us this week, we're going to do our, our score predictions for this game. Um Paul Spears, who is our usual Bournemouth guest, came um, came on to me earlier on with a with a message saying that he couldn't make the podcast, obviously, and his prediction was going to be a zero four scoreline in the favour of, of Liverpool. He, he said he just thought that it's this Liverpool team is going to be far too strong for for the Bournemouth side that's that's currently um, that's currently playing in the Premier League. So four 0 for Paul. So now I'm going to go over to Jay and uh, get his. Predictions on the scoreline and your reasons for that, please, Jay. Well, I've said probably on the last three or four podcasts that would you a clean sheet? Would you a clean sheet? And it just hasn't really happened, has it? And I, I just don't know when we are going to get a clean sheet, to be honest. I mean, I know it doesn't really truly matter because we just keep on winning, don't we? And we're eight points clear of Leicester. 11 points clear of the team who I think are still the main dangers in Man City. So Liverpool are flying on the crest of a wave at the moment and you know it doesn't really matter if we're conceding a goal in a game because if you score one, we'll score two. If you score two, we'll score five as we proved against Everton in the derby. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, I would like us to keep a clean sheet because it's starting to get to the stage where it's annoying me now. I think it's 12 games on the spin without a clean sheet and it's just not what we've become accustomed to the last 18 months under Klopp really and you know it does need addressed as the season goes on you'd like to think we will go on a run of four or five games where we do keep clean sheets on the bounce but the way it's going at this moment in time we're, we're being punished for any little mistakes that we make and conceding some scruffy goals as well which is frustrating but I think Bournemouth may well score a goal against us. I mean, I touched on before, Ali Wilson's been their best player and he can't play. But they have got other players, as I said, the likes of Josh King and Callum Wilson can turn it on sometimes and they do score goals. And, you know, it's mad to think Liverpool got 20 million for Dominic Solanke after paying about 5 million for him at a tribunal and made a healthy profit on someone who scored one goal for Liverpool in his Liverpool career. And he did get ample opportunities as well. No, I don't think he's a terrible player. I just don't think he's a goal scorer. But it'd be ironic, wouldn't it, if he scored against us on, on uh, Saturday. But let's hope he doesn't. But I do think they might score Bournemouth. But I don't know. I mean, I think we do tend to do well against them. The last two games have been 4-0 there. I think the last two at Anfield have been 3-0 to Liverpool. I think we might get three again on Saturday. But I think they'll score. So I'll go for a prediction of Bournemouth 1, Liverpool 3. You're going to go with it. A 3-1 victory for Liverpool in this game. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to predict, like you say, with the, with the amount of games now on the run that we've conceded. Um, 
I think we did keep a clean sheet here, if, if my memory serves me right, last season. So I'm gonna gonna predict that we do keep a clean sheet in this game, and I'm gonna go with the same amount of goals Liverpool scored as Jay, which is three, and I'm gonna go for a, um, zero, and I'm gonna keep a clean sheet for Liverpool in this one. So three nil victory for Liverpool in this game for myself. Right, just uh, before we do our, our thank yous and what have you on the on the end of this podcast, I'd just like to introduce the band that's been in touch with us on Twitter this week. They go by the name of Red Zephyr. They are a rock band based in uh, in Wales. You can get them on SoundCloud.com forward slash Red Zephyr. And the song that I'm going to be playing for you tonight is called Crazy Noise. <laughs>
was called Crazy Noise by Red Zephyr, Welsh rock band. Thanks for them for getting in touch with us this week, uh, and a pleasure to play your music. So, as always, big thanks to the LSED Trippers and now our Shed Media link-up. You can follow them on Twitter. That's um, Shed Media PC, I think it is. You can get their, their accounts on the on the Cop Table page if you want to give them a follow. Also, thanks to the At Liverpool Online Facebook, Instagram, Twitter pages, Facebook page that puts our podcasts out each week. Don't forget to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign with uh, Paul Bent, Lee Lee Butler, and all them, all the fellas over there doing doing great work supporting the the No More Knives campaign in in Liverpool and the Merseyside areas. So don't don't forget to keep up to date with them. And also, big thanks to Jay once again for for joining me. Thanks a lot, Jay. Yeah, cheers, Peter. It was enjoyable as ever. I mean, it's always a good time at the, you know, doing podcasts at the moment because Liverpool are flying, aren't they? And we're all in eager anticipation about what's, you know, coming in the future because plenty of opportunities to win more silverware and it's great, isn't it? You know, and Liverpool can keep marching on in this Premier League title and can't wait till May. Yeah, the famous meme that was going round this week, wasn't it? The Red- it's off silverware and uh, with Everton silverware, he's now gone. <laughs> so, boom, boom. <laughs> so yeah, thanks to everybody uh, for listening to the podcast, and we'll be back with our Watford preview next week. Thanks everybody for listening, and uh, speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Don't dependable. Sports Social Podcast Network.